0: And then, of a sound mind. There's a lot of people in this world today that do not have a sound mind. Um, The Bible says, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. And so, we could all uh, use that peace and that promise. And the way to do that is to um, be in the word all the time. Uh, The psalmist said um, that he meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. If you have your Bibles with you, if you turn to Philippians chapter 1, with Thanksgiving coming up this week, I thought it would be interesting to look at this passage. From the perspective of uh, Paul's heart of thankfulness. And hopefully the next time I speak for Sunday School, this can be um, a little bit more interactive. Um, But let's begin uh, reading in the book of Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. And we're going to see... Three different things over the next few minutes that Paul expresses thankfulness for in this passage. And so, let's begin. The first thing that Paul is going to express thankfulness for is the fellowship of the gospel. The fellowship of the gospel. So, for that we read Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace and peace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you, because I have you in my heart, insomuch as both in my bonds, and in the defence and confirmation of the gospel, ye are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all, in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more, and more in the knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of, of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So we see in the beginning of this passage that Paul is giving thanks upon every remembrance of the Philippians. What a wonderful thing it is to have this idea as a church that we can remember each other with fond remembrance before God and that he thanks God upon every remembrance of the Philippians as he is in this Roman jail cell. This was an epistle that was written in 61 or 62 AD when Paul was in prison in Rome. And, of course, one of my favorite things about this book is that when we get to chapter 4, we find that the saints of Caesar's household greet you. So we know that even while Paul is in prison, that he is um, making inroads for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, And so uh, we see that he is confident that the Philippians will carry on in the gospel because it is Christ who does the work. <clears throat> and if Christ begins a work, he always completes it. He doesn't leave work undone for us. And so um, he says, I have you in my heart. And uh, he says, as you pray for me, as we are in fellowship in the gospel, you are partakers of, of my grace, so he's talking about this great fellowship that he has with uh, the Philippians. And uh, by way of cross reverence, I just want to make mention of the fact that he does this often in his epistles. If we look at Philemon chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, he says, I thank my God, making mention of the always in my prayers hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. So again, this idea of him being thankful for uh, Philemon in the same way that he is thankful for the Philippian believers. And just some background to his work in Philippi, this is where he had been put in jail and then God caused an earthquake, and he could have gone free, but he did not go free, and as a matter of fact, all the prisoners stayed in their cells, and the Philippian jailer was going to kill himself, and Paul said, do not kill yourself, because we're all here, none of us have left. And then we have that glorious uh, mention of the fact that the Philippian jailer Went into Paul and Silas and says, "Sirs, what must I do to be saved?" And Paul gave the gospel in its simplicity, and said, "Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved." And then we continue on by way of cross reference by looking at First Thessalonians chapter two verses seventeen to twenty. But we brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come to you, even I, Paul, once again, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, or joy, or crown, or rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and our joy. And we see in this passage, Paul reaching out to the Thessalonians with a similar heart, and saying, uh, we we would want to come to you face to face. We see a similar sentiment in Second John when the apostle says to the elect lady, "I have many more things to write to you, uh, but I will not write them in pen and ink. But I seek to see you face to face." There's something to be said about face to face fellowship with the Lord's people, and we can all be thankful for the opportunity to have that. And I'm thankful for technology which allows us to be together um, over the internet, even if we are not together in person. A guest at a country house coming down to breakfast one morning was met by the child of the house, who, running up to him and putting his hand in his, looked up into his face with a smile, saying, I'm your friend now. I put you in my prayer list last night. Um... And so, this idea was that this little child, uh, realized that, um, as, as did Paul, that praying for one another is an important thing in the bond of friendship. So, the first thing that we notice is that Paul was thankful for the fellowship of the Philippians in the gospel. He's in a, a Roman jail cell, and yet he is rejoicing in the fact that he has fellowship with those in Philippi. Our next thing that Paul is thankful for is Paul is thankful for the forbearance of the gospel. For the forbearance of the gospel. Philippians one twelve to 12-18. But I would, you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened to me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. But the other of love knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice and will rejoice. So we see in this short passage that Paul is saying, I was put in prison, I am stuck here in prison, but it's actually adding to the furtherance of the gospel. Jesus told us to rejoice when we are persecuted for the gospel's sake, and it's because of Paul's bold spirit and willingness to rejoice in this time of life that he is causing, that God is causing other people to be bold um, for the Lord, and that his his, um, his testimony is known throughout the palace. Again, we will see the culmination of that in chapter 4. But I like the fact that it says that um, many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. I think of what Billy Graham said. He said when someone acts with courage, the spines around them are stiffened. Courage is contagious. We talk about peer pressure Uh, as a negative, but peer pressure can also be a very good positive, so it is good for us to remember that. And then Paul goes into this little um, message about the preaching of Christ, and he says some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, some also goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love knowing that I am set for the defense of God. And then Paul goes on to basically say that whatever the context of Christ being preached, it is significant that Christ is preached. And he is thankful for that, and he's leaving the motives of the people, he's leaving that issue up to God himself. So, as we consider this, we can look at Romans eight twenty eight to 29 which says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So Paul knew that all these things that were happening in his life and that were happening in the lives of the Romans, or whoever is reading this epistle, that it all works together for good to those that love God. Does that mean that it's all good? No, it doesn't. But it means that it's working together for good to accomplish the things that God has set out. And the primary thing that God has set out is that it would um, conform us to the image of his son to make us more like Jesus. And we know that Jesus suffered for us that we could have eternal life looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the pain, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God on high. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. So these are important exhortations for us. And uh, another uh, reference is Ephesians 6:19 and 20. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Ephesians six nineteen and 20. And I'm always amazed and inspired that Paul, one of the most bold testimonies for the Lord Jesus, is asking for boldness. Um, and so that reminds me that we need to be willing to ask for boldness as well. So Paul is thankful for the fellowship of the gospel. He's also thankful for the furtherance of the gospel. And then um, in my final point uh, this morning, Paul is thankful for the fruit of the gospel. And this is in Philippians um 1 verses 19 to 30. And it says, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, so, as always, so now Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labour. Yet, what shall I choose? I want not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know I shall abide and continue with you for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by coming to you again. Only Let your conversation be as becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing be terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake having the same conflicts which you saw in me and now here to be in me. So we see here that Paul is thankful for the fruit of the gospel. He's talking about how he has endeavored to live in such a way as to honor God with all of his life. And then he talks about the conflict that he has of being uh, conflicted about whether he should uh, be in heaven, which would be far better or whether he should be um, on earth. And he ultimately comes to the conclusion that it's more needful for you that I be here on earth and that God will decide when my time is, is up. And I think that that is a very um, emboldening thing to know that God knows when we will be um, brought to himself until our work is done for the Lord, we will be safe here on earth and that we will be able to fulfill all that we have um, to do for him. And then we, we see that he has uh, confidence um, that he is going to continue in fellowship with, the, with you, uh, with the Philippians, and he wants them um to rejoice in the lord um by him coming to them again now uh it does not seem like he he did come to them again because of course he would he would die at the hands of of nero in rome but his desire was to be with them again that face to face fellowship that that is is unmatched by any other type of fellowship And then he says this, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come to see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Um, So I think it's important to consider this here. Um, He wants them to have such a testimony um, that whether he comes to see them, or whether he is still gone he can hear what they're doing and glorify God in it. And he talks about a couple things. He says that you stand fast in one spirit so again unity and then with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. If you've ever watched a tug of war at a um, picnic or at a fair or a carnival, you know that when two two teams are, are tugging, only one team can win, and that often somebody gets dirty in the process of losing. And I, I think of that as a good analogy for this, that we need to not be tugging a war against one another, but we need to be unified, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And what is the result of that? that in nothing you would be terrified by your adversaries uh, because you know that your place is with God and that you can be confident in your future. See, Paul knew that if he stayed alive, he would preach the gospel and he would share Christ with others and he would um, trust in Christ for his future. And if he died, he would go to be with Christ, which was far better, and he would see Christ in person. So he, he there was no losing for him, and what a wonderful thing that is that that same promise is for us today. Um, and then he talks about, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. This is something that we don't talk about, I think, enough. Um, but we are called to suffer. Paul said those who live godly lives in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And so we need to be prepared for that. And um, Paul is basically saying, you see me suffering for the gospel, um, and I trust that you will, will be willing uh, and able to suffer for the gospel uh, because of what you've seen me do. In second Peter three twelve to fourteen, we read, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. So the response of we as believers as we look forward to the end of days is one of anticipation, one where we can say that we have confidence that our future is secure because of the cross of Christ. And I, as, I, as we've navigated these, this pandemic, I think that's been one of the big differences between people. There are people with hope that know that whatever the result of COVID, that they would have an eternity in the Lord Jesus, and they had a confidence and a peace that others did not have, while others who uh, did not have um, confidence beyond this life were, were full of panic and did not know what to do or where to go from there. So we need to be aware of that. We need to make sure that we are trusting in the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. And I think it's so encouraging when we think about this world and how frustrating it can get that God is on the throne and that there's a new heaven and a new earth uh, that is going to come to be. And for me, I'm looking forward to that because... Uh, There will be no wheelchairs on the new heaven and the new earth. I will have a new body, and I will have uh, a new hope in being indestructible and immortal. Um, Because right now, I have a mortal body that's wasting away. But uh, Paul said, The the outward man perisheth, even as the inward man is renewed day unto day. And so what a wonderful the privilege it is to realize that. We read in Second Timothy 1, 7, and 8, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor me as his prisoners, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, according to the power of God. So, Let's look at these briefly. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Uh, Fear is a natural human tendency. Um, I've heard it said, I haven't really done a study myself, that there are 365 times in the Bible where God or Jesus says, fear not. And so that would be a good year-long study to just immerse yourself in this idea of fearing not. And then it says, but of power. So power is something that comes from God to do right, to do the good works that he has uh, for us to do. And we can only do it through the power of God. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And later in this epistle, we will read, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then we see love. Um, love is something that perfectly describes the Lord Jesus. Um, we see that God is love. And the one thing that we need to really understand about this is that we have really diluted love in our American Western culture. Uh, because the reality is that love sometimes hurts the bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful so sometimes out of love we need to tell people unpleasant truths and allow god to work in their lives and uh so i hope that as we consider the love of god we realize that it is manifested for us on the cross of calvary and is done so because we needed to have the judgment for our sins covered by Jesus, the only one who could justly do so, so that we could have freedom. And then, of a sound mind. There's a lot of people in this world today that do not have a sound mind. Um, The Bible says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. And so we could all uh, use that peace and that promise, and the way to do that is to um, be in the Word all the time. Uh, the psalmist said um, that he meditates on the law of the Lord day and night, and so we can be very thankful for that. Um, and then it says, "Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. I have said before um, that there are many days when I don't feel equipped to deal with persecution or to deal with the prospect of, of losing my life for my testimony in the gospel. Um, but I'm trusting God that if that ever happens, that he will give me the grace to be able to do that. Um, and that he will fill me with, uh, his Holy spirit. Um, just as he did for Peter on that day when he healed the lame man. And he said, if you must know by which, what power this, this lame man is made whole, be it known unto you and to all who are here that it was by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that that man was made whole. And so my prayer is that I would have a similar testimony when, when and if the time comes. And I do know that there have been specific times when God has given me words to say. And I think it's so important for us to realize that all the things that we do that are good are according to the power of God. Um, I have this little thing to read here. It says, A surprising greatest fear in life. Maria Stevinkel, a corporate consultant from Sweden, asked 65 people, from around the world, what is your greatest fear in life? As you might expect, people mentioned the fear of dying alone or losing my job, but of those 65 people, at least 14, more than one in five, expressed a different fear, living a life without purpose or meaning. Listen to their own words. My biggest fear is never taking a risk in an effort to find my true calling. Anthony from New York City. My greatest fear is to go through life Living small, but not realizing it until it's too late. Rebecca from Stuttgart, Germany. My greatest fear would be missing out on my purpose here on earth. I know that I have a purpose that I am yet to be serving. Daniel in Sacramento. To go through life without leaving a positive mark. Luciana in Sterna, Portugal. My greatest fear is regretting all that I didn't do as I lay in the hospital bed as an elderly man. Ralph from North Brunswick, and that is from Preaching Today. So my question to you as we wrap up this study today is, what is your purpose in life? Our purpose in life is primarily to glorify God. And as we seek to glorify God, he will show us more specific purposes for our life. But you can't um, have a meaningful life and a purpose-filled life unless you trust the Lord Jesus Christ with your life. He said, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundant. Um, And you can know the Word of God. Uh, You can go to church every Sunday and do all of that but not have a real purpose because you haven't trusted the Lord. So I would encourage you to trust the Lord Jesus today if you have not already done so, so that you can be passed from death into life, and so that you can say as Paul did in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which the Lord hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God has a plan for your life if you're willing to be used of Him. And it is my sincere prayer that everyone here would seek to know what that purpose is and to do it. There's no better place to be than at the center of the will of the Lord. So I I trust and hope that these few brief thoughts have been a blessing to you as we go into this week of Thanksgiving and um, I hope that it is is more than just a, a, a day off and uh, a day of um, football and family but that it is truly a, a day of Thanksgiving for all that the Lord Jesus has given us and I hope that uh, it fosters in us a daily a uh, view of Thanksgiving for the things that we have in life. Um, So let's take a few minutes now to close in prayer and to dedicate the rest of this day to the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you um, that you are the Almighty God, the King of creation, and that you know the end from the beginning. We thank you for the way that you used Paul, um, that he was able to be in this um, Roman jail cell and still say, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. We ask that you would give us attitudes of rejoicing today. We ask that you would give um, the saints journey mercies as they leave from the chapel and go their separate ways. I ask that you would um, make your face shine upon them and give them peace. And I ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ who alone is worthy. In Jesus name. Amen.